Hey folks, Alex Loves here, and this is the March episode of Classic Hammer Revival, and by this point, we are all a frigate's worth of sheets to the wind. Um, so but it's St. Patty's Day soon, so it's alright. Absolutely. So, this episode, we are going to be returning to a topic that we have talked about a couple times before, and that is, of course, large format photography. Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show. So, since we are mostly a podcast that talks about camera gear and uh, stuff, we're going to be starting off with a review of a camera that looks as beautiful as the images it's produced. And will take a serious dent out of your wallet if you buy one. And that is, of course, the Lindhoff Technica series. Ah, uh, yes. I wouldn't be an actual camera stop snob if I didn't own a Lindhoff, which is essentially uh, the Leica of uh, large format cameras. So basically, if Leica made a large format camera... It would be a Linhoff. Um, also, um, uh, it's a, it's a, obviously of German heritage as well. Uh, there's actually five versions of the Linhoff. I have a version five, but it's all they're all basically built around essentially the same design or chassis, which is um, the um, uh, Linhoff um, Master Technica version three. There were just slight improvements made, um, and really the culminated in the sort of the the final sort of design which was the four um and then uh they uh, essentially made a few tweaks and called it a version five which is just an incremental refinement of what they did so um large format is a totally different animal if you haven't uh, shot it before certainly it's uh, it slows you down it's n not a point and shoot thing it's uh uh, it it's, can be somewhat of a very um, cerebral kind of experience, and it can also be a very frustrating kind of experience. And humbling. and humbling, yes, definitely humbling. But just a little bit about the camera and kind of how large format itself works. Um, so obviously large format, uh, for those that don't know, takes sheet film. The Linhoff is a 4x5, um, or essentially a 5x4 would be the actual correct terminology. It's 5 inches on the horizontal, 4 inches on the on the vertical, or I believe it's 9 by 12 centimeters, um, I think, thereabouts. Not that that's really relevant. It's a sheet, um, a film that goes into a holder. You pull the dark slide out. You um, uh, uh, well, first you insert the, uh, the the film holder. You pull your dark slide out, and then you can expose your film. Um, the cameras themselves can be a little bit challenging to use. Um, uh, they do have uh, uh, focusing screens on them, but before then, uh, before uh, the focusing screens were on some of these cameras, there were actually uh, range finders for them, so you could essentially zone focus with them. But if you think about that very, very large image, zone focusing can be a little bit difficult. They're they're big, they're clunky. Yep. With the Linhoff system as well, um, obviously uh, the all the lenses for these cameras are interchangeable. They they sit, they're mounted on individual lens boards that pop in and out of the front of the camera um, and then if you want to use the rangefinder zone focusing function every time you change the focal length of these cameras you have to change the cam uh, the focusing yes. cam which is very similar to a rangefinder um, uh, cam um, but you change this and then it, it changes the, the they have an actual rangefinder in the body if you do want to to use right. them but I generally I don't do that I use the uh, the focusing screen um, and I use a uh, 
um, a uh, a large format hood, um, which is you know basically like a cape to block the light out. Uh, and then I also carry an eight times uh, loop with me as well, uh, so I can uh, check the focus um, on the screen. Uh, they are very challenging to use, but the image quality when you do it right is spectacular. The Linhoff, um, uh, you'll see other sort of press type cameras that are four by five, like the uh, the Crown Graphics Crown and the Speed Graphic. Graphics. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of other uh, cameras out there as well. The Linhoff is a precision camera, which means it has all of the movement. So it has uh, tilt, swing, shift, um, both for the front and back uh, planes okay. of the camera. Um, so I will, I will, um, I'll pull the whole camera out now. Alex, and we can take some pictures of to show all the movements in the uh absolutely uh, in the uh in the show notes and it's a really really cool camera the reason it's it's called a precision camera is because all of these movements are done with with gearing or locking uh locking tabs so it's heavy it's fully cast aluminum uh it is one of the most solid cameras linhoff is a brand that essentially is synonymous with uncompromising quality. The glass is spectacular. Traditionally, these come with mostly uh, Schneider glass um, in various uh, focal lengths, but the <clears throat> the average would be the typical would be your ninety would be your wide angle, yep. and then um, your uh, one thirty five to one fifty would be your normal, normal. range. And then your short telly at two ten. Yeah, then you're going to get into to 210 and 300. Um, 300 would, is pretty much the max you can get yeah. in a yeah. in a package like yeah. that. Yeah, cuz it's it, I think my uh my Calumet it's it's based yeah. loosely off of uh the Linhoff yeah. and But your Calumet's a monorail. It is a mono, but the lot of I find a lot of cameras are based loosely off the a similar design and I find 4x5 unless you get extension bellows and yeah. rails and stuff. Yeah. 300 seems to be about the max that yeah. I've ever seen on 4x5. Yeah. Like and you know like any ca- any bellows camera, you know, you you have to deal with the certain quirks of having a bellows yep. uh, and that are the, that is primarily pinhole. Yep. Uh pin- light leaks is what I'm talking about in the shape of pinholes. Uh, I recommend checking your camera before you go uh shooting it um because typically with large format uh, if you're going to shoot large format, these images should mean something to you, and they're going to be critical. Yes. Uh, so definitely it's worth checking uh, the bellows. And to do that, um, you know, go into a, a dark uh, room, get your flashlight. Yep. You can point your flashlight either around the bellows or inside of inside. the bellows. I would like to do it inside. It just makes life easier. And then, of course, if you see... Yeah. Yep. Just, well, just close the lens down. Like, just, you know, make sure the shutter's closed on the lens. And um, just get your flashlight and shine, you know, hold it inside. You can, um, uh, you know, get like a scarf or something and wrap it around your hand and stop the light from coming out the back if that makes life a little bit easier for you. Um, But yeah, it's it's a terrific, terrific camera. They are not the cheapest things in the world. No. Um, A a Linhoff um, in good condition without a lens is going to run you anywhere if you find a bargain a bargain will be around a thousand dollars and your typical price would be anywhere from 1500 to 2000 for just the body and there's a number of accessories you can get for this camera like grips and um, obviously different lenses and that sort of thing i would highly recommend exploring some of the uh, nikor glass uh, yes. for, go on for the large again. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, the Nikkor glass on, in large format is spectacular. I actually like to shoot um, uh, large format infrared um, because, uh, number one, you, you have, like, ridiculous. Like, you, it's the F64 club with these lenses. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, F64 is like a medium aperture uh, for these things. And the depth of field is, is spectacular. But you're going to get it really, really sharp. And because it's large format, um, you can focus it. Uh, and then just leave everything as is, pop your filter back on, uh, and then just, you know, set your lens to timed exposure and then shoot your large format and because, or, uh, or shoot your infrared rather. And because infrared is traditionally a grainier film, the larger the format that you can get it, the better off the better that you're going to be. Get. So. Yeah, no. So essentially the, um, Technica camera, the precision cameras are a monorail camera, but in casing of a um, press camera essentially yeah it, it's well it, i would say it's, it's a subset of the press camera yeah it, it's a combination it's actually yeah the form factor is a, a press camera but it has the precision movements of a monorail yeah and again i've only seen that level that geared precision in scenars Yes. The Cenar yeah, P yes. and the F series. Yes, and I have a Cenar. I'm looking at it right now, and I love that thing. Oh, yeah. It's, that's uh, that's yeah. the only reason I said that my Calumet's based loosely off the Technica is because it's got similar movements yep. because it's a monorail. Yep. Mm-hmm. And exactly. it's probably not too dissimilar in weight. Mm-hmm. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's a whole different animal shooting for, but yeah, yeah. you know what? Large format like, in general. The crown graphics and speed graphics are very popular options for them. Love my crown. You know, my only problem that I have with crown graphics and and speed graphics is that they're constructed out of wood. So wood, you know, can warp over time. Obviously, if you maintain the camera properly, it's not an issue. You had one that was well taken care of. But as temperature changes and that sort of thing is when you can run into issues and living up here in the Great White North, um, you know, having that aluminum cast solid body um it may not make a difference but in my simple mind it's reassuring so but if it may be a placebo effect but uh, oh it's it's not a placebo effect. no no this is my justification for spending exorbitant amounts of money well in a camera snob but. well i'm i'm going i'm going along the lines like you're talking about a metal body versus a wooden body and i'm speaking actually from experience when i do have a wooden body and i've mentioned it many times that i really really want to get it repaired as my Duradoff five by seven and unfortunately, time and elements like while well, we live in the great, great, like great white north, as James likes to point it out, and I believe Bob and Doug like to as well. Um, well, there's you got moisture, you got changing constantly, changing temperatures, and different parts of this camera have broken just from wear, weather, and everything else, and temperature fluctuations. I mean, the back standard on this, although. I, right now, I can honestly hear a bunch of large format guys screaming at me, the Deerdorf doesn't have a rear standard. And no, it doesn't. But the part that the bellows is attached to has actually cracked right down the side just simply because well, that's of a rear dryness. standard. <laughs> and it's frustrating. Well, I don't shoot large format. My brother does. And he, there is an option for everyone to consider because, of course, he was my brother Alex. Um, you may have heard of him. But no one's ever seen him. He's kind of like Mr. Snuffleupagus uh, for a lot of people. Uh, he always recommended he always recommended the uh, Bush Pressman, which is built more durably than the Crown Graphic, and I believe that was made of metal. Maybe not to the same level of precision engineering as, say, the Linhoff, which is essentially should be in MoMA for as a work of like 
industrial design art. Absolutely. No. Um, when I was in school, I had an opportunity. Um, we, uh, I went to photojournalism school, and we had a project, and uh, we had a couple of speed graphics, and that uh, they wanted us to shoot like they used to, sort of things. So bare bulb, the whole kickaboodle with like the you know the change the bulb flash and everything. Right. And it was quite the learning experience to think that back then was something that was meant to work like a you know a point and shoot, but was you know you know click put the slide back in, turn the film. Pull the yep. slide, click, pull it, you know, and then put yep. another uh, four, you know, film holder in, and then keep shooting it's quickly. It was quite something, and it really. Uh, yeah. And and just to pick up on that, I remember speaking once to to one old guy, who actually did like use a speed graphic like as a press camera in the day, and the expectations on the shooter. Okay, here's your film holder, you know, two shots, get the picture of the president or or whatever. Yeah, you had to get it right. And you yeah. think of photographers like Ouija and stuff like that, and like some of the, the work that they produced just on the moment, like, oh, look, it's happening, click, with such a technical camera. Yeah. Um, and it was producing, you know, snapshots, like right then and there. But the flip side is, you know, you get three of those big bulbs, put, put the camera at F8, and you basically have so much depth of field, you're using its, yeah. its point and shoot. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's why it's called be F8 there. Be There. Yeah, exactly. So... You don't like that. Surprisingly light, isn't it? Nice. It's very happy to see you. Just giving people a visual, Alex is playing around with James's Linhoff. He has it fully erected. <laughs> Extended. Stiff and ready to go. And that camera has all the swing movements. Well, one thing that... Get your hands off my bellows. You wish. <laughs> Just the tip. Time to shift the conversation. Oh, boy. Now, um, large Dang. format cameras are great, but they are lacking in one thing, and that is a built-in meter, which a lot of us take for granted. Now, I've heard that CNR does have a device that actually can <coughs> do the metering inside the camera, takes in for the... Um, what's the term... Oh. Bellows extension factor. There we go. That's the Schlum flug. Is uh, that how you pronounce it? Never on the first day. Schlum flug. No, that has to do with Bless doing you. all the tilts and shifts and movements ah. and making sure everything's in focus and the lines are straight. Which, basically cha- which the changes lo- your exposure, right? Because because right. the light bends, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, the longer it is, the longer it takes for light to get to the back. Yeah. I just I just expose normally and hope for the best. You see, and that's what I go for. And um, one thing that Ansel Adams um, developed for the photography world, and that's the zone system. Now, the zone system is incredibly complex, and we could probably sit down with seven different photographers and get eight different um, examples of the zone system and how to use it. I, very much like James, I don't take into account Bell's extension factor. I take you know, filter factor every so often, but I prefer to simplify the zone system by simply putting my shadows in zone four. <coughs> this is uh, something that I learned from Matt Marash. It takes into account um, the latitude of black and white and some color negative film. Portra 400 is wonderful for this, but since I mostly shoot black and white in large format, this is what I do. 
And it's quite simple. You need a spot meter. Um, one degree works best um, for this, so I use a Pentax Spot Meter 5. You meter for the darkest shadow you want the most details in, and you underexpose by a stop. So if your meter, if you take your meter reading for the shadow you want, and it shows F64 at one second, you expose it for half a second. It's that simple. Um, and the results I've gotten out of it are absolutely fantastic, and I've done this in mixed light, such as, um, well, pretty much everywhere that I've shot large format. I've done this method, and it just works absolutely perfectly, and it just makes life so simple, and I've applied it to both large format and medium format photography. So, it just, it will, it really plays off of um, the uh, forgiveness that you get with uh, black and white, and you throw in a compensating developer like Kodak TMAX developer, or PyroCat HD, or even like HC110 Dilution G. AccuFine. AccuFine, Diafine, whatever. And it just makes life so much easier. And you don't think too much. You think more about the image and what you're creating. Absolutely. Than, than the meter, than the technical aspects. You, of you it. know, I just want to, I heard you mention um, PyroCat. More people have to try PyroCat. Oh, don't worry. We're, we are going to be talking about developers in a, in a couple of later episodes. We got a two part series coming up, you guys. Um, and um, also, when it comes to developing, not everyone can afford a Jobo, let alone two. I actually have three. <laughs> um, one's, to one's totally busted, though. And um, I have not personally used the um, Mod 54 for the uh, Patterson system, but one thing that a lot of us around the table helped fund was the um, SP-445. Good old boys at Steerman Press. By Steerman Press. And in an earlier episode, and we will make sure there's a link, we actually interviewed um, the gentleman behind this. Um, like any Kickstarter, it took quite a bit for it to actually come out and be released in the market, but I like it. It's a so great way to do high-volume 4x5 processing. In a single go. It and takes, not blow all your money out on chemicals. Yep. Um, this takes about just under 500 milliliters of chemistry. So That's about, terrific. Basically the same amount that if you were using a Patterson tank and you had one 120 roll, it's well, about the same. Yeah, because I, I use the Mod 54 uh, as well as the Jobo system. Yep. Um, and the Mod 54 is just a sucker on chemicals. Like you, you're, you can do... In one Patterson tank, you can do six sheets. In a liter. In a liter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, if you're using yeah, this one. Is four for less than half. Using, Yeah. And if you're using a one-shot developer, like. Yeah. You're you know, going through it like nobody's yeah. business. I had a Mod 54 and I sold it. I just found the loading fiddly. It is. Compared yes. to the. Fiddly. Uh, it's a to pain that, like, in the. The SP uh, 445 is no brainer. If you yeah. can load your standard 4x5 film holders, you, you can put that. film yeah. onto these. Now. I have the first gen. Oh, with the, with the uh, ribs on the back. With the ribs, I haven't found them a problem. Me neither. Personally. I've I've had a couple issues. Um, one of the things that I find is just give it a is more of an extended rinse, and that 
does help. Yeah. But some of the images, unfortunately, yeah, I have gotten lines so on. So what, what was the issue? Just like uh, chemicals the, not clearing off? That's right. Basically, and you'd end up with lines in the back. And if like, you didn't notice right away, they can dry. Oh, okay. And then like you're something almost, similar like surge marks or something? No. Surge like marks looking, are slightly not, different. Not, not, I know, like not the same reaction, but same effect or no? No, it's, it's just... If if you look right, oh. right now, uh, Alex has just given James the uh, the insert, and there's these ribs I that see. go down, and it's just to keep the back of the film from touching right. the uh, the back. So when when you run fluids down, it doesn't the the film's yeah. got fluids on all so sides. Your anti-halation layer and your so it all washes off. Yeah, yeah. And your uh, like whatever residual silver yeah. or, or dyes or what whatnot, the water doesn't penetrate there. It's yeah. it's not not too bad. Like I said, I've oh. never had interesting. Um, any problems with yeah. mine? I um, think what film that that would be really ideal for would be film like say RPX twenty five, which is like trying to load cellophane into your yeah. holder. That's but really. I've even developed um, cool. even FP four and Tri X, which have a thicker base, um, and I've had no problems with it. Um, it does leak, um, especially when you're doing the agitation. I've never found a tank that didn't bloody leak. But if you're doing stand developing of large format, there's nothing better. And again, it works great, especially if you're using the um, print files, right? They have four slots. You can go out, shoot four sheets, process yeah. them all in one shot, and you're good to go. Yeah, like I'm not shooting 4x5 these days. I sold my 4x5 gear. I sold most of my holders. I gave most of them away. I have kept my SP four four five tank in case I ever get back into it. But yeah, speaking of quitting four by five, John, you like you said, you have um, you've quit four by five for the meantime. So, what were the reasons behind it? Um, getting old, uh, specifically. I can't quit you. <sighs> Yes, and I felt I felt like I was breaking my back, as it were. Um, I, I love that. That's, I was hoping to get. Oh my god! One. I can't believe you. You are the best. <laughs> wait, wait till you hear the one at the end of the show. Uh, at least you're. At least you didn't break your back or your broke back. Isn't on a mountain. On a mountain. On a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, he's coming down the mountain. Okay. Well, I I just found you know, it was at. Uh, it's funny. It was the uh, Toronto Film Shooters Large Format Walk. Lugabout. Lugabout. Do a photo walk with large okay. format. You I was a them. goddamn mule. It okay. sucked. With my eight by ten. Yeah, with your eight by ten. And and Those so like I'll let I'll let uh, you know Bill get to his story when when I'm done. Um, but I just found you know, bending over to uh, to try to focus. My back was killing me. Uh, I just had trouble focusing the loop, and I said. I have utmost respect for people who do this, and I, there are people out there who get amazing results, but it's just not for me. And I find in terms of sort of that Zen kind of process, I'll take up my RB67 or RZ67 and uh, and get that same slow-paced photography or even the Hasselblad. Now, uh, having said that, at some point on my list of Grail cameras is uh, there's a guy in the States whose name I've forgotten. Nate. Thank you, Nate. And what he does is he takes old uh, Polaroid instant cameras, like we're talking like the 110s, 
95A, 95B, 900s, yeah. 900s, and what he does is he converts them into 4x5 cameras that take the standard 4x5 um, film holders, and he can put good lenses on and uh, set it up so that the rangefinder works. Yep. So this would be like a 4x5 rangefinder that folds. Next time I have $1,200 U.S., to spare. To spare. Burning a hole in I your want body. to get one of those. But for the time being, if you're into 4x5, I respect you. I love your work. It's just not for me. And speaking of not for me, Bill, what's your experience with 4x5? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm like that star-crossed like, guest on Donnie here, and he just throws the mic. So, Bill, what do you feel about 4x5? Well, I, I, I sort of got a, a taste of it uh, Two summers ago? At the Lugabout. At the Lugabout, uh, whereas, you know, Donna had her 8x10 and Mike was her bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she was joining me. Every- what do you mean was? <laughs> still is. She still has the 8x10. Oh, dear. <laughs> she hasn't sold you. Uh, oh. Your earrings, Donna, look so much like Mike's balls. <laughs> Okay, getting back to it. Uh, James spotted me. Uh, it's I think it was a speed graphic. Was it a speed graphic? It was. A speed it was graphic. my uh, since been sold crown graphic. Oh, it's a crown graphic. Okay, so it's a dearly departed crown graphic gone to a ha- uh, a, a, a new loving home. Yeah, in Thailand, actually. Oh, that's a uh, yeah. That that well, we won't go there. <laughs> oh boy, it's gone to see some gentleman named Tripod. So I was in, and maybe maybe a large format Lagerang wasn't the best place for me to get the the proverbial cherry popped for large format. <laughs> so you know, I tried. I think it was a couple of, a sheet or two of like FP4 or is it Acros 100 or. I had a bunch of uh, different sheets, but I think the one shot that you took was on FOMA 100. Okay, FOMA 100. A lot FOMA of his shots were kind of in decent exposure types. Yeah. Well, and I got a decent shot of it. I think I think the problem was it was just sort of fiddling around too much, and I, I sort of I thought, okay, if I wanted sort of a zen experience, I'd go out with my Rolly Flex or my Mamiya C220 kit. Uh, it, it's easy, uh, whereas large format, and again, my brother shoots a lot of large format. He recently picked up a Kodak 5x7, which is a... I think late 20s, early 1930s vintage or something like that. It's a lovely bit of art that it's actually functional. I had a fun time finding the 5x7 HP5 for him, but that's another story in its own right. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I might revisit in the future. Maybe not. But right now, I think I'm content with 35 and medium format, if it's uh, medium format square. But I mean, a lot of things, a lot of people have said, oh, I slow down if I bought a 4x5 or a large format. And you know what? That's bullshit. Yeah, you don't. That is absolute bullshit. Because you can shoot 10 images on a 4x5 and have them all crap just as quickly as you can shoot 10 10 images on a 35mm and -hmm. they'd all be crap. You can slow down with whatever camera you have. Film, 35, 110, digital, 4x5, 8x10. I totally agree with you. Like the, uh, I mean, it might slow you down in terms of your thinking process, but uh, you have to understand 
if you have a, a 35 millimeter SLR and you spray and pray for 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes you get either one or zero usable shots, or you take 10 minutes to take one shot with a large format system, you're one for one. That's right. That is absolutely right. Um, yeah. Shooting, shooting large format, it's not unheard of to have your mind set on a specific image and sitting all day waiting for, say, the clouds just to move just slightly out of, out of the sun's light yep. so that you get that one shot of the way you wanted the light. Or you just pack up and go home. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that shooting large format, I can say I've done it. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that uh, looking at everyone else around the table that they've probably all done the exact same thing. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's pretty serious, uh, what is it, um, dedication. Going out, aiming to get one shot and then just walking away and not taking a single thing. Yeah. And there's been a few times I've done that. And just to uh, – just to – Point just to get out my frustration. I usually have a thirty-five millimeter and wander around and just spray and pray and say, "Yes, I finished a roll." Yep, I've shot some uh, landscapes with four by five on a Cinar uh, two, and um, set up, and the light wasn't quite ready, and basically sat around waiting for the Earth to rotate. Still, like, yeah. I got the proper clouds, like you said, and lighting yeah. because I got there either too early, and the light was behind the barn that I wanted, and it wasn't yep. right behind the trees properly. But um, yeah, no, so. I you have know, when you're I bracketing have, by waiting for the earth to rotate, that's some dedication. I have some I have eight <laughs> sheets of triax loaded into holders right now and I'm waiting for the right day. I I and hear you. Yeah. They've been loaded since October. Yep. Mine are all sitting in my fridge. I have three empty holders right now and yep. the rest of them and I think I have like fifteen that are loaded, labeled, waiting for the right time because um well first of all, sheet film is not cheap. Nope. And um especially if you shoot color. Yes. Yeah, and, um, eight by ten color. Uh, oh gosh, eight by ten color. I mean, you might as well sell your children. Eight by ten, anyway, yeah. any format. Hey, you mean like uh, Portra four hundred and eight by ten or one sixty? Yeah. That's some fun stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll have to let you shoot a couple sheets and all that stuff and sure. see how it goes. It may be expensive, yeah. but it's worth it once you see your images in the end. Absolutely, eight by ten film. Yeah. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Four by five Velvia. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I have the Velvia fifty. Yeah. Nothing uh, like it. I have some anxiously awaiting a colorful spring. Yes. Yes. Mm. And, and we can definitely hope for that. Well, that about wraps it up for this show. Until next time, my name's Alex Lokes saying it's not the size of the camera, it's how you use it. This is Bill Smith. Uh, happy spring and get out there and shoot because winter is over, at least on the uh, calendar. <laughs> This is Trevor Black. Have a safe and happy uh, St. Patrick's Day, and remember, green is a great color. This is Donna Bataxi. Get out there and start shooting. This is Mike Bataxi, and uh, have yourself a great day, and remember, the grass is green, the spring has sprung. Do you know where your film is? <laughs> this is James Lee. It's not the motion in the ocean, it's the size of your bellows. This is John Meadows reminding you that shooting large format is like making love to a beautiful woman. You haven't done anything until you've gotten Lynn off. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's been holding that one for the entire show. And wow. John Meadows won this month's <laughs> dirty pun. Wow, mic drop.